Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Rocket Mortgage giving away millions during Super Bowl 55 with the Rocket Mortgage Super Bowl Square Sweepstakes. See rules and enter for free today at RocketMortgageSquares.com. Do I take this call now or do I bring you in first and then take the call later? kind of want to get it going now. Take, take the call now. Yes, take the call now. I'm getting called out on something. We'd never do this. I'm going right to Todd in Green Bay. Hello, Todd. Oh, Jed, come on. You know what, what? your comment? Your comment about watching every Jacksonville game in uh, uh, this past season is like me saying, in two, I'm a Packer fan, uh, that in 2008 I watched every 0-16 Lion game. You are uh, called out, sir. Todd, Todd, do you know what Game Pass is? Oh, I know that game. I know you. This is your living. But why would you subject yourself to one in fifteen? Well, no, you can't move the gate. You can't move the goalposts on me. You said at first I didn't watch it. Now you're saying why subject myself to it? There's things we learn. There are things we learn from games. I'm not saying I watched them all with full commercial breaks and everything. No, I watched on condensed. But on my sons, on my three sons, I have watched every Jacksonville Jaguars game. On my sons, Todd. I've watched every. How's that disappointing? I've watched every Green Bay game. Why? Why? How is that? How is that? You learn nothing from a one in fifteen team. The hell you don't. Oh, Todd. Todd. How 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 much have you listened to this show with me? How have you ever heard Uh, me before? Every every Saturday. So you know where I'm from. Never miss one. So you know I'm from Cleveland. Yes. I watched them back to back. I watched them back to back, mind-numbingly, back to back, and I was absolutely in my cups during more than half of them during one and fifteen and zero and sixteen. You're one hundred percent right about that. But I watched them four times each every single week. I didn't want to because I knew they didn't care. Why the hell should I? But I decided that I was still going to do it because I wasn't going to allow my standard to be dropped for that. Now you may say that's pathetic, and by the time I die, maybe it will have been. But football's the biggest thing we talk about on sports radio. It's the biggest thing we do. I got to watch them. I got to be able to watch them. Sorry. Right. I, I, I can't I say respect, I'm sorry. I respect it. I respect Thank it. You. So. Thank you. Todd, you have a thank good you very much. Go Pack. Go Pack. I, you know what? I, I should have tried to tell Todd to talk me into thinking they can win because I, I, I got a weird feeling about the Rams, Pirino. I got a weird feeling about the Rams, man. They're going to do it, man? They're going to pull it out? I don't know. That I know Aaron Donald's battling injury because we immediately say, defense, Aaron Donald. You trust, Jer- you trust Jared Goff? The reason why – no, I don't. But the reason why I like the Rams 
is they were first they were saying 28 degrees in Green Bay is the real field time of kickoff. 28 degrees in Green Bay on January 16th. You might as well be down in South Beach at 28 degrees in Green Bay. But they are from L.A., and their blood is not as thick already as what people in Wisconsin would be. The players as well, because I know they're from all over the country, but they still have to live there most of the time. But, boy, if, if, and this is why I watch every game, and even on condensed version, because if you watch Sean McVay scheme the run open, oh, my God, is it beautiful. Is it beautiful. And Todd and Green Bay would even have to admit, that defense – as much as I really like Mike Pettin, that defense has been not good to say the least in certain junctures of this season. Ain't no Packer fan going to disagree with me on that. Not this year, anyway. 855-2124-CBS. Hello, Pierno. I gotta hey, get to my what's up, outcome. baby? How you doing? You all right? Were you able yeah. to sleep last night? I heard you were watching some pretty scary stuff there. Oh, my God. Okay, I watched... I, I'm going to get to this college football theory in a bit. Bill Bender's texting me, no, are you going to do I'm going to do it. Trust me. I uh, I watched the Night Stalker documentary last night on Netflix. I even I even put the Cavs game on DVR, and I have to watch the Cavs because they won last night over the Knicks, which are two of my favorite teams. I don't know why, but there they are. I've always, I always said if I died and came back, I could see myself as a Knicks fan. But I put it on DVR. I'm going to have to watch it later on today. Uh, I ended up sitting with, spending some quality time with Lizzie on the couch, and we watched the Night Stalker documentary. And I did not know it was going to be this terrifying. It was horrific. It was horrifically terrifying. Now, there's a part at the end. Are you first now, of all? Are what, you going to watch it? What? Yeah, uh, yeah, I will watch it. But what made? So, have you watched other true crime um, pieces? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, so. Yeah. I watched the. Um, was it more dark and twisted than usual? It was really dark, man. It it just it. You know what? It wasn't because no, it was because you find out some of the things he did. Like I always knew about the Night Stalker. We all have a thing where it, I don't care. Serial killers are fascinating. They're depraved. They're sick. They're usually mentally ill, which is extremely sad. But it's it. They're fascinating. So we've all thought of Richard Ramirez. ACDC is one of my favorite bands of all time. So I always kind of knew about the whole Richard Ramirez thing because there was a whole ACDC controversy at that time. Uh, I didn't know everything that he did. Like, they go into detail about some of the stuff he did, and it is really stomach-churning. It is stomach-churning, Pierno. I did not know it was going to be that sinister, that dark, and it's not the classic documentary. I love documentaries. And so you sit down, you watch a documentary, and it's, you know, it's sit-down interviews, and they tell you what happened, and it's first-person account and all that stuff, and they show some footage, and usually be scary. This was, there was music, there were scenes that were shot here, it was, it was a theatrical documentary, and it was terrifying. Four episodes, like, it made you feel a little bit easier at the end, but it was still terrifying. It was, uh, they did some stuff, yeah. there were two... There are two still photos that I'm thinking about right now. I was going to say, scare it, the bejesus off. It's you. it's uh, it's very graphic. It's very graphic. The imagery. Yes, it is. Like it. The, the kids better be in bed. There are going to be some things that you have to explain. And. Oh, uh, well, thankfully I don't kids, have that problem. My so, kids were definitely yeah. in bed. By the way, um, like there were like, there were a couple times Liz was like looking away, and I had to be like, okay, now it's off, because at the end, at, there's a part at the end. Are you going to watch it? Yes, I am going to watch it. Okay, there's a Don't part at the end. Don't spoil it for me. I'm just telling you, the part at the end, I think there was one part, and I go, okay, you guys are trying too hard here. Come on. I'm scared. Let's go. Everything else? Ooh, boy. 
Oh, boy. It is terrible because it, it, there's no rhyme or reason. Like, if you watch all the other documentaries and then you, you okay, this, this person has a type, this person has a calling card down the line. There's no rhyme or reason. There's so you made reason. sure those uh, doors were locked high, right? Oh, nice and oh. tight there before you went to bed. She goes, you need to go downstairs and check all the windows and all the doors. You need to keep the shotgun right next to the bed? I'm not telling you about the, the, the armory of my home. We, we I told you we don't discuss that on the air, Pierno. Why not? Eh, you know, I don't <laughs> like to talk about it that much. People get upset about that type of thing, but either way. So I, I suggest you watch it. You're such a big cinema guy. And we had a, we had to watch a show just to calm down everything, because there was no way I was just going right to bed after that. So you, you we, threw on a comedy. Yes, I did. And now the name is escaping me, because, you know, I, again, I speaking of in my cups, I might have had a couple last night. Everyone is doing great, you said? Everyone is, thank you. Everyone is doing, I think it's everybody, I think everybody is doing great or everybody's doing fine. Something like that. So it's on Hulu? Yes, okay. I got to find it now. It was, and I don't know what I'm going to do, because one of the executive producers is a business buddy of mine like we have to do business together and I don't know it says yeah everyone is doing great and I'm nervous to tell him because I don't want him to think I'm blowing smoke because I really enjoyed the show and Liz thought it was funny too and you said it's, it's a short episodes right they're lo- they're like no I or- thought they were they were over a half hour they okay. were over a half hour so yeah I had a couple more drinks and watched that and we were able to calm down cool the jets and then Lizzie and I headed off to bed so it was a good night and now I gotta watch the Cavs Knicks later on today right before uh, the well, what are you going to do? That was rough. Well, I'm a Knicks fan. So that was rough. So what's my top five subject? All right. So, uh, you know, last week we had the big Lindor trade from the Indians to the Mets. This past week we had another big blockbuster with James Harden going from the Rockets to the Nets. There's all this Tua talk. Could he be traded? So how about we do the top five biggest trades in sports history? Oh, man. Do I have to like them or are they just big trades? Big trades, or you, or you could like them. Like, there's one on here that I put that it just, it's because it's a personal taste. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna have one that's also uh, local as well. All right, that's a good one. I like you. Barely do sports. It's always something else. This is gonna be fun. All right, Pierno, well done. The great Anthony Pierno. Coming up at 12:40 p.m. Eastern, we'll get to everything with with what's going on with Deshaun Watson. He might want to trade. John McClain will join us. From the Houston Chronicle. All right, Bill Bender, I hope he's listening because I'm going to say it right now. Ratings were down for the college football playoff championship. And so many people said they were bored. And, hey, I actually believe you, but I just wonder where you've been. It's the same teams every year, Ken. It's the same teams every year. And if they put eight teams in, there's going to be more people watching because there's more big games. But I still think you're going to find the same thing, that, that you're going to find the same results just because Alabama has to play one more game doesn't mean Alabama ain't going to win the championship in 2020. Look at that team. Ohio State's a tremendous team. Alabama, Ohio State's better than 99% of other teams in college football. And Alabama's the one other percent and can beat everybody. It was a big season for them. And it was a great test for Nick Saban. And I, I thought this going into the year, I really thought that this was going to be a year where, sadly, that we've done this in our real lives before as well. And again, it's sad. We're the haves. We're going to be much better off than the have-nots during COVID. We knew that. Look at what goes on in our real lives. And again, it's a, it's a horrible thing to have to admit, but it's true. You knew the same thing was going to happen in college football. The MAC couldn't test. Then they were able to get six games in. All these other all these other conferences couldn't test. Then they were able to get that. The Big Ten, well, we're not going to play football. Well, we can't play football. 
because there's different TV deals, and you knew that the best of the best, the Ohio States, the Clemsons, the Alabamas, the Oklahomas, the Georgias, everybody, the Floridas now, Texas A&M, you knew that they were going to be better off than the others. They have the wherewithal. They have the funds with the budgets. They have the boosters. They have the coaches. They have the TV. They have the popularity. In these times, we're always favoring the biggest. But that's a one-off year. You say you're bored, and I say, yeah, what else is new? The, the farce of parody in college football. We've gone to college football, and we've said we've loved college football for its parody for so long, and it's one of the greatest farces ever. Parody in college football is the biggest farce since the free lunch. A week three upset is fantastic. We all remember App State over Michigan. We all remember. We love the biggest upsets in the world. But they're always early season upsets. They're always regular season upsets. We don't see upsets like this. We don't see upsets like App State and Michigan towards the end of the year or in, in big bowl games and in playoff games because the best are the best and they're always going to rise to the top. And it's always been that way. I did this yesterday. I got excited doing this yesterday. Because when you actually do the work and you find out you've been right, you won a champion's post, you get excited. I was calling people about it. Go back through the history of college football. When has there actually been true parity? True parity. There's been one time in college football through the history of it that there's maybe been true parity where it feels like there's 10, 15 different programs that can win. And out of 100, that's still not very much. College football starts in the 1800s. It's all Ivy League schools. It's college. Wealthy elites get to go to college. They get to play college football. Wealthy elites go to Ivy League schools. Those are the ones playing college football. The quote-unquote national champions, because some people don't even know the sport exists on the west side of the country, the quote-unquote national champions are Ivy League schools, are schools of very higher institutions. It goes to the late 19 or it goes to the late 1800s. From 1900 to 1936, you might have had the second most parity. And remember this is a voted process with the AP and the Harris and everywhere else. This is a voted process. You might have the second most parity, but it's still majorly Ivy League schools. You get to the 40s. There's a little bit more parity. You have army for 2 years because of what's going on with World War II. And then right after the nineteen forty right after World War II and forty five. Weird history lesson here, but here we go. You have a baby boom. And there was a time where I didn't look and America didn't look at college football as a stepping stone to the NFL. A kid could graduate high school after the baby boom in nineteen forty seven, and he could choose to go to college if he really wanted to. Talking about an American male football player, or he could go get a job at the time were plentiful, at the time were well-paid, at the time would provide them with the American dream, and they were willing to go do that instead of go and go into hawk for college, play college football, and go to a job in the NFL where they still had to work during the offseason. So a very few people did that. And it's no surprise why Notre Dame's the dominant team of the late 1940s. In the 1950s, you had Oklahoma. You had a couple other teams who would have still that process. 1960s, you have Paul Bryant coming back. You have Alabama back. As the dominant team, there's a couple other trickled here and there, but it's still a bottleneck to the top. And you have one team that really dominates the landscape for each of those three decades. The 1970s, more Notre Dame, more Oklahoma, more Alabama, the emergence of Nebraska. 
and not really an emergence, just talking about teams that won national championships during that time. The only time that I can think of parity is the 1980s because the 1990s, Nebraska, Miami, Florida State, popular schools, popular coaches, popular areas with Miami and Florida State that rise to the top have fun, interesting players. You have the TV generation that booms through the late 1980s to the 1990s where players become stars. Deion Sanders, Charles Woodson, those players, everybody who played for Miami in the 1980s to the 1990s, hell, all of them could have had their own 30-minute sitcom. The 2000s, Pete Carroll, USC of Will Ferrell on the sidelines there. Florida, Oklahoma, LSU, four teams at the very top, and that's about it, out of 120. The same thing now in the 2010s every single year because now as the money raises, the competition raises, and the very, very best now believe that they have their own brands. People are hammering Juju Smith-Schuster because he's going to be a free agent, and there was a rumor, and he said it was false. Who knows if that's actually true? The rumor came out, he wants to go to a big market. Well, he's a free agent. He's willing to do whatever he's, he's, he's more than has the right to do whatever he really wants to do. But guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, and I know that he's been drugged through the mud, and rightfully so over the last, last week, there's plenty of more guys like Juju Smith-Schuster who see TikTok and see social media and see opportunities to make money. And, and, and see opportunities to build their own brands. So if you're building your own brand, if you're a five-star athlete and you have business people around you or even scarier, family members who believe they're business people, are you really going to pick somewhere else other than Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, maybe Oklahoma? you really going to pick somewhere else? A&M? The very best want to be a part of the very best. I don't think this is going anywhere at any time. The only time that we've been able to see true parity, and this was the really fun part, was maybe during the 1980s. Penn State, Miami, Notre Dame, Colorado, I want to include them even though they were 1990. I want to throw Colorado in there. In BYU as a national champion. And I've used other examples, the 1940s, late 1940s, the baby boom, the economic resurgence with Eisenhower, people who, who felt, hey, I can go get a really good job, eventually be in an office job, start to really knock it down and live the American dream, and I don't have to go to college, I don't have to, I don't have to do all those things, and if I get a job somewhere else, I'm still going to make a lot more money than I would playing pro football. In the 1980s, as these things move like mountains, it was in August of 1977, for the first time in America released, the VHS. And what does the VHS do for BYU and for Colorado and for Miami and for schools and Penn State even? Not Notre Dame because Notre Dame was already there and for a bunch of other schools. Now, the bigger schools don't have to have somebody in every single small town in America every single night where guys had to go, kids had to go to the big school in their county to make sure that they were seen. Now I have camcorders. Now I have VHS. I can get my tape to anywhere, and the tapes are coming in, and there you see parody. The business changes over the 1990s and 2000s. Again, the TV age, the star age, to now where now you're your own brand. If you're a McDonald's All-American, or I think it's just an Under Armour All-American. I got the wrong sport there. If you're an Under, if you're an Under Armour All-American, you need to be at Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. Maybe I can throw A&M in here soon. You have to be at those places. 
Because if you're five-star, the elite is meant to be with the elite. If you're a kid who goes to the IMG Academy, you're going to the IMG Academy for a reason. No offense, it's, it's not there to study chemistry. That's what it's become. It's a star branding. So if you say you're bored, I hate to tell you, you might need to just settle in and get used to it or find something else because the sport that's prided itself on parity, if you go through the history, folks, it's been one big shell game. 855-2124-CBS. Top five coming up next. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This ends up being a short one, and I didn't want to shortchange Pirino. Top five trades coming up, 11:40 a.m. Eastern. Pirino does a hell of a job. I didn't want to shortchange it because I just I love going into the history, all this stuff. Earlier this week, Kenny, it's so boring. College football's boring. Where you been? It's always the same teams. Yeah, where you been? And I think you look at college football, you can explain the history of America through college football. From the late 1800s to the 2010s, you can you can tell a tale of America through college football. And where I'm from, it's a blessing. Where I'm from, it's, it's, it's a te- textbook of what college football has been and what the recruiting process has been. The most time you ever had parity was the 1980s. The VHS comes out in America in 1977, August of 1977 is when it's released in the United States. It changes everything. Camcorders come out. Now you don't have to bleed. Now you don't have to move your entire family. If a kid's really good at football and wants to be a good football player, you don't have to move your entire family anymore to a big school in a county or a big school in the state. I'm sure there's people in Texas, people in Florida, people in California, probably people all over the country that have those type of stories. This is why, and regionally, this is why Cleveland and Pittsburgh – are such a strong rivalry. You look at the steel industry throughout America. You know, I'm from Canton, Ohio, and I was I was born in I was born in Canton, Ohio. I was raised in a town between Canton and Maslin, Perry Township, I always say. And I, when I did play-by-play, I did play-by-play with an old Maslin football coach, and Maslin's one of the most famous high schools in the entire country. And he would tell us how it was done. It was amazing. Whatever fan base you may have or whatever feelings you may have about the local high school, it was an amazing story. Because it's always, well, recruiting, 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 recruiting. Well, if you make it that easy, how could you not take advantage? At those times in the 50s and 60s, 70s, late 70s, you see a decline, and in the 80s, you see a decline, obviously, in the steel industry. But in that time in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, you have a steel industry in Western Pennsylvania, you have a steel industry in Northeast Ohio, and you might have a kid who's from Aliquippa, Pennsylvania, and if there's a school around there, maybe you might send him there, or Paul Brown coached at Maslin. He was the head coach of the Buckeyes, then he was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Paul Brown was that guy, and that was a nationally known school. And if you were that good, you could go to Maslin. And it was all, hey, your dad works at Republic Steel. We got a, we got a plant right here. Why don't you request a transfer? We can get you a house. And it's all legal. And so you get to go to the school, and who am I to say that you wouldn't you would turn down a deal like that? Kid in Western PA, well, you know, it's kind of hard for him to get here. Kid from West Virginia, it's kind of hard for him to get through the mountains here to come and see us on a on a Thursday, Friday night. They got a game the next day. It's hard for the scouts to all that. 
I'll go to Maslin. Right there off 77. Right there off 21. Easier to get to. Right next to Canton. Hall of Fame's there in the 60s. And that's what they do. And it was easy to do so. The VHS comes out. I see Penn State, Miami, Notre Dame, BYU. In the 90, in 1990, I want to throw them in there. I throw in Colorado. It's easier to see players. And now it's a status symbol. If you're a five-star, Under Armour, All-American kid, it's a status symbol. Because you have business people around you. Or again, the scarier thing to say, you have family members who think they're business people around you. You're already famous on TikTok. You're already famous on on all of the different social media platforms on Twitch. Everybody knows who you are. You have a cottage industry of people who follow you like rivals. Want to know where you're going. And I, who am I to say a kid don't so, a kid shouldn't soak that up? This could be the biggest part of that kid's life. I say go right on ahead. You want to have a great big announcement with millions and millions of people, as long as it's socially distanced, but when it gets safe, you go right on ahead and do so. You want people to guess the type of hat, you go right on ahead and do so. It could be the beginning of what is a, a, a wonderful, wonderful life and career, or it could be the highlight of your life. Either way, live it up. But these kids are powerful now. They know their power, or even scarier, they believe they know their power. And so it's going to be harder. To get those type of recruits, it's harder to get those players because going to Ohio State carries carries a really big amount of gravitas for you. There is a lot of cachet to going to Clemson, to going to Alabama, to going to those schools. There's plenty of places that can provide an opportunity. And there's other players that, no, they don't become Under Armour All-Americans. but And they get to go to places and they can be coached up and they can recruit. College football doesn't suffer because of that. The whole argument of parity, though, it's a dead argument. Because we saw App State and Michigan, what, week one, 20 years ago? I don't know if that's true parity. And it's been, a, again, a shell game for a long time. I want to speak about Mike Tomlin coming up in a little bit and also the top five trades. Pirano's done a hell of a job. I'm going to try to surprise Pirano when we come back. John McClain coming up at 1240 p.m. Eastern. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio right now. It's the latest sports update with Marco Belletti. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. One hour from now, John McClain, Houston Chronicle. We'll talk to him. Deshaun Watson, I got to get one thought about him on Harden. He might not know anything, but I got to ask him on something on Harden. I'll also talk about James Harden coming up at noon. I got thoughts on Mike Tomlin and why he needs a divorce from Ben Roethlisberger coming up in a bit. 855-212-4CBS. The great Anthony Pirino does a great job with it. Usually these are not sports. No, no. You know, it's a sports show, so I, I tend to stay away from the sports topics. But, you know, again, I feel like, you know, lately, a couple weeks ago, it was a, the MLB had a big blockbuster at Lindor going to the, from the Indians to the Mets. And mm-hmm. then we got an NBA blockbuster this past week with James Harden going from the Rockets to the Nets. And we have all this Tua talk. Could he be traded? So I'm like, let's just do the top five uh, – the biggest trades in sports history. You always lead it off. We always go five to one. Yes, we do. We'll probably have a little bit of crossover here. All right. Well, starting, uh, I like. I wanted to get one from each sport. So my football one comes in at number five. I did 
the Brett Favre trade. He got traded to the Packers, 92, of course. He got selected by the Falcons in the 91 draft. Things didn't uh, go so well his rookie season there in Atlanta. Only had five pass attempts, two interceptions, no completion. So Falcons ship him over to Green Bay for a first-round pick. Favre goes on to play 16 seasons for the Packers. Helps restore the franchise to prominence. They reach it. What? Do you know? I'm sorry. Do no, no, you no, no. know who the Falcons picked with that first round pick? That's amazing. They got a first round pick for Brett Favre. They did. That is good crazy. job. That is a good job. At that time, I mean that. If if we were doing sports talk radio on that trade, <laughs> you'd be going. You gave up a first round pick for this guy. Why are you giving up a first round? Now he becomes a Hall of Famer. At that time, yeah, we didn't you know. know. We didn't know. That. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, he, he takes the Packers two Super Bowls, winning one, of course, the one in Super Bowl 31 against Bill Parcells and the New England Patriots. I know a lot of people uh, with the football trades, they bring up the Herschel Walker one. Uh, just, But, you know, again, the Vikings brought him in. That was supposed to be like the missing piece to the puzzle that was supposed to deliver them a championship. And, of course, it didn't work out. I think he was there for like three years in Minnesota. Didn't even have a thousand-yard rushing season. Mm-hmm. Uh, it worked out for the Cowboys because again they got a bunch of draft picks and uh, they wound up using those picks to help them build a core of those championship teams. But again, obviously that, that trade was made for the Vikings to try to win a Super Bowl and it did not work out for them. So I went with Favre just because of what he was able to do there uh, for the Packers. So that one's at number five. My basketball one, number four. We're going all the way back now. And, and I was just talking to Marco Belletti. He didn't know this. Back to 1956, Bill Russell, the great Bill Russell. He didn't realize that uh, Russell was actually traded to the Celtics. So the Saint I didn't Lu- realize Russell was traded to the Celtics. The, wow. the, the St. Louis Hawks had the number two pick in the draft. They could not afford to pay him. So they wound up trading him to the Boston Celtics. And then what wound up happening, Boston wins 11 out of the next 13 NBA championships. And Bill Russell becomes one of the greatest players of all time. So. It's very weird. Of the big four sports, the big four team sports in America, doesn't it feel like the NBA has always been on the, like at the times been on the shakiest ground? They always feel like it's been on like the weird, like remember the 70s, there was the crisis of people not going. They had to reinvigorate the I love this game campaign, which really got going. Like, there was a weird – There, the NBA is always kind of – like, obviously, they're on very stable financial footing now. But in oh, the history yeah, very of, the, good now, yeah. of the sports, it's like, man, they, they have had some rocky times in, in professional basketball. Go ahead. So, number three, this, uh, this is my first of the two baseball ones. The first one I'm doing here, number three, the Kurt Flood trade to the Phillies because um, – this had just impacted the game of baseball because wow, Flood call. gets traded to the Phillies. He refuses. He refused to report to the Phillies. He winds up taking baseball to court over the reserve clause that binds a player perpetually to one team. Flood lost that case, but it would eventually lead to the end of the reserve clause in baseball and open the doors for free agency. So, I mean, that, that trade altered the course of baseball history. So... The, the Kirk Flood trade to the Phillies at number three. Number two, Wayne Gretzky to the Kings. I mean, we're talking about the greatest of all time. After almost 10 years in Edmonton, at the age of just 27 years old, he gets traded from the Oilers, who had just won their fourth Stanley Cup with Gretzky. They trade him because the owner needed cash for his struggling other businesses. 
Uh, and they wind up trading Gretzky. The Kings, was it 15 million U.S.? 15 million. And again, you think about that at the time. This was 1988. So at the time, I mean, $15 million. That's still a lot of money today. But even back then, 1988, $15 million. A couple players, three first-round draft picks. And then, you know, we know what Gretzky did. Uh, eight seasons in L.A. He scored 246 goals. 672 assists. The guy in his first season there won the Hart Trophy. He built that fan base up in Los Angeles. And not only did he build the L.A. fan base up, but it gave a boost to the United States hockey scene, him uh, arriving from Canada. So, And again, the Kings, who hadn't done very much in terms of anything in the postseason, their last playoff victory had come in 1982. Gretzky comes. They reach the playoffs uh, each of his first five seasons. They go to the Stanley Cup in 93. They lose to the Canadians, but he does get them there. So Wayne Gretzky, at the age of 27, after just winning his fourth Stanley Cup, gets traded from the Oilers to the Kings. And finally, I told you I was going to go local with one baseball. I have to go my favorite team, the New York Mets. They get Mike Piazza from the Florida Marlins. I had started following the Mets in That's 90- your number one is Piazza from yes. the Marlins. Oh, my God. I'm going. I'm what go- a homer. Go- I said it was going local. It's fine. You could have done that at number five. Whatever. That's it. The Mets, the Mets are my favorite team. It's the first time you. I don't. Okay, the Indians are my favorite team. I was going to mention hey, Rocky li- Colavito in the honorable mentions. I was going to put it in the top five. That's a. I, I told you you were allowed to go uh, like personal oh or local. God. That was fine. Hey, I said that beforehand, so you can't criticize me. But again, I started following the team in '93. They lost a hundred games in '93. R.I.P. Anthony Young, 26, uh, 27 consecutive losing decisions. Was Jason Isringhausen on that squad? No, no, no. That was a little bit before that. Uh, okay. But they were miserable in 93. 94, you had the strikes shortened year. They were below 500 when that ended. 95, again, because the strike, we didn't get a full year. They were below 500. 96, they lost 90 games. 97, they started turning things around. And then 98, the trade for Piazza, it was just like, I remember watching Piazza when I was little and just being like, I wish the Mets could have a player like that. And then they actually got him on the team. And it just it brought the, the franchise back to relevance, rejuvenated the fan base. I mean, he delivered so many memorable moments for the franchise. Uh, you know, the first home run back after 9-11. But just eight years in the Mets uniform, six all-star appearances, 296 average, 220 Gosh. home runs. Um, you know, a pair of playoff appearances there, including a trip to the World Series in 2000, which, again, was just surreal for me. Uh, so, Mike Piazza to the Florida Marlins. Pierno, you've always done so well with these. This is the first one I'm like, come on. I, every Everyone else is sterling on this. Every other trade is amazing. The Bill Russell, the Bill Russell trade you had in there, that, that's a chef's kiss. Farb to Green Bay. I didn't even have Farb to Green Bay. I didn't even think about it because it's a first round pick. And you could have if you're Atlanta, you could have used that to your your Providence. It wasn't like Atlanta was was Atlanta turds right after Farb. They got good in the late 90s, I know that, but were they late were they uh, either way. Kurt Flood's great, Wayne Gretzky's great, Piazza to the Mets! Alright, fine. I know you get upset when I get when I start to hammer you for this stuff. Alright. No, it's fine, but again. Yes, hey. you do. No, no, yes, I don't, you I don't, do. Why would I don't care? Why do I care? I don't care what you think. 
Jed Burke says Falcons got that first-round pick with a trade of Favre and drafted another guy from Southern Miss, running back Tony Smith. I'll tell you what, that's a six degrees of Kevin Bacon, is it not, Pierno? <laughs> All right, I, my honorable mention, Rocky Colavito for Harvey Coyne. Kuhn, depending on where you're from. Uh, that's, a, that's a trade. The trade of Rocky Colavito is, if you're going to do anything in Cleveland when it comes to sports, that's one of the things you got to know. Uh, Rocky Colavito was uh, an MVP player. He was a beloved Cleveland Indian at that time. And they traded him two days before opening day. And you want to talk about a fan revolt. Like the Francisco Lindor trade, we knew it was coming. I, I called it a sports hospice. You went to the games if you could get into the games because of COVID and everything. But if you got, if you went to the games over the last couple of years, basically to pay your respects because you knew it was probably going to be the last time you saw the guy. It was a hospice. You try to make it as comfortable as you can, but you knew he was going. So that's that's a big trade, but it's not in there. But none of the Cleveland trades, even well, I could if I really wanted to, because technically it was a sign-in trade with LeBron to the Miami Heat the first time in 2010. If I wanted to be an ass about it, I could, but I'm not going to. Number five, there's no Cleveland trades in this. Number five, I put AD to L.A. I think that that trade could change the way we look at LeBron James and his legacy. If they win another, that's five. If they're still able to squeeze out another, that's six. Where are we at now? Where are we at now with the whole LeBron thing? So it's, I still put Michael number one. So many people will, but being a member, being able to take two of the three organizations. Miami was not a bad organization, but to take Cleveland and to take Los Angeles, which was a wreck when he got there, and to put Los Angeles back where, they're, where they belong. But taking a team like Cleveland and, and winning a championship with them, that's got to count for something. That barnstorming and being able to do that has to count for something. And AD being the help that he needs may be the biggest piece to that. I put that at number five. I think that has a significant effect in somebody else's career and how we look at basketball in general with that trade. Number and, four. And maybe and maybe when it's all said and done, could we actually maybe remember LeBron as a Laker maybe when it's all said and done? Oh, not my neck of the woods. Not in my neck of the woods. Uh well that's a that's a that's a different conversation for a different day on that one. Cause uh I don't think we really like to share the guy. With Miami, I guess we'll have to, but I don't know if we really want to share him with LA. You guys got enough over you're not from LA, but LA has enough, okay? Mark that down though. That's coming up in a couple of years. Number four, Ricky Williams to the New Orleans Saints. Now, I know this is a roundabout way because this is a draft trade. But to give up that much for a running back, it's it's always brought up every draft. And Ricky Williams was a really great player. If he were playing now, could you imagine if he were drafted in 2020 where the differences are on, on where we stand with marijuana in America to where he was drafted in 1999? You think about that. Um, he was a great player. I don't think – obviously, it wasn't worth it. But to give up everything for a running back when you still need to build a team, it's an historic trade. It's a bad trade, but it's still top five because it's brought up every single year, and it's a historic one as well. Number three, Herschel Walker to Minnesota. You think about what had happened previously. You bring in a college coach who's your buddy. You had fired Tom Landry, who was the Dallas Cowboys. You had just fired Tom Landry. You make this trade. You give Jimmy Johnson all this power. He continuously then makes other trades out of that Herschel Walker trade, and then they pay it off with some of the great players that they were able to acquire while Jimmy Johnson was there. 
and they win three Super Bowls out of it. Now, I know one was with Barry Switzer, but they win three Super Bowls out of it and revitalize themselves as America's team at that time. I think things are different now, but they revitalize themselves as America's team. I think that's number three. Number two, the original player demanding a trade, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to the Los Angeles Lakers. Leaves in 75, wins the last five of his six world championships with the L.A. Lakers, even though it took a while. I mean, he didn't win one until 80 with the Lakers. And he was the first guy to say, I want to live in a different city. I, I don't like the culture here in the Midwest, I think was his thing. It didn't fit his cultural needs. Uh, this is a huge trade. I put it number two. Number one, I think you got to throw in the entire country. So I say Gretzky to L.A. is my number one because he was a Canadian hero. And for him to be moved to L.A., yeah, it was not seen very good by the fine folks up in Canada. Not very. It was not well received whatsoever. They traded a Canadian national hero to Los Angeles. To Los Angeles, where if you make the argument for, for Wayne Gretzky, and you brought this up a little bit, does what does hockey look like had L.A. not been successful with Wayne, with Wayne Gretzky? I know they didn't hoist the cup. But they were a successful franchise with him, and he was successful there. What did that do for the NHL? I think you said it all yourself. What it did for hockey in Canada, what it did for the feelings in Canada, just the history of it, how good he was, the team coming off the championships. Uh, I put that there at number one. But these are good lists here. I mean, I'm giving you a hard time for Piazza of the Mets. No, and that's fine because, again, you know, no, that's fine because, again, you know, I've been more offended with some of your movie top fives. That's true. I mean, you know. What? Just because I like Smokey and the Bandit, you got a problem with that? I mean, Smokey and the Bandit in your top five 70s movies. You ride my ass over Smokey and the Bandit. I mean, what are you going to do, okay? I like Smokey and the Bandit, all right? I like Burt Burt Reynolds. Damn it. Work or shoot coming up at 1220. Up next. Same as it was last month, folks. I know James Harden's great. I just think only basketball fans really care. Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 